It's tabletop time. I'm Jazza. Welcome. This is my first ever podcast. And, well, okay. So <laughs> I'm making a video and a podca- podcast at the same time. So people watching it on YouTube, I'm excited to let you know that I will be releasing gameplay sessions of Cogent Roleplay and Tabletop Time on various podcast consumption platforms. All of those will be laid out uh, at it's tabletoptime.com slash podcast so go check that out i'll put the link in the description and uh it's just going to be a great way for you to enjoy some role play and let's play sessions uh without needing to watch a youtube video or if you prefer to listen to something while you drive uh it's just hopefully gonna just bring more fun tabletop goodness to more people who consume it that way for people currently listening to the podcast First of all, thank you for listening to the podcast. This is the first episode, and it's going to be a little different to most of the other episodes in the sense that all of the (laughs) videos and podcasts are really going to, for the most part, be gameplay sessions, storytelling sessions using a system that my brother and I have created called Cogent Roleplay. It's similar to something like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, where really it's a group storytelling mechanism, except that where Dungeons and Dragons is much more on the game side of role-playing game, Cogent Roleplay is much more on the role-playing side of the storytelling focus. So this video and this first episode of the podcast is really about uh, explaining a little bit about how, how Cogent works so that as you enjoy future play sessions, you can uh, quite easily follow along, know how we're getting those stories to happen and how some of those feats or disasters or wonderful things or horrible things are happening, unraveling, being accomplished, uh, how we've built our characters, how the stories are being told. And also, hopefully, how you can enjoy telling some of these stories uh, on your own or with some friends uh, by using our Cogent Roleplay system. So I'm going to introduce very shortly my brother Shad, who co-created the system Cogent Roleplay with me. But before I do that, I just want to make a few uh, quick announcements, which I'm very excited about, and that is that content and Let's Play and Roleplay stuff is going to be starting very shortly. And with it, some really exciting community-based contributions to the Roleplay will be done through Patreon. And all of the support in Patreon is going directly to content. Basically, the more patrons we have, the more content I can make and have uh, produced. And also, the more ambitious and exciting stuff I can do in the future and the more that can be put back into Cogent Roleplay, the system itself, as we develop an app, uh, as we create the website and the tools to make this free storytelling experience uh, as good as possible for you. So it really will be going exactly where you want it if you're a fan of Tabletop Time or Cogent Roleplay. The thing that I'm excited to share about the patronage is that uh, people who are of the uh, mid-tier of Patreon will have exclusive access to a Discord group and will be able to vote on the themes or the worlds and settings of one-shots that will be taking place in the future. And the first one will be launching in a few days where you'll be able to vote on the world or the one-shot we'll be playing in. I'm very excited about that. The top tier of patronage is uh, a, an extra special one and will, as, as well as uh, being able to vote on all those experiences, you'll also be part of a regular raffle to be an NPC in one of the worlds or stories that is created. Whether you want them to be named after you or an original character, you will be able to work with me or the narrator of that world or story directly to uh, have a little bit of your personal touch 
put into the world of story, the podcast episode or the let's play video we create. So I'm really excited to make worlds and stories and, and really interesting moments with you involved and I want to thank you for your support. The link to our Patreon page is in the description. It's uh, patreon.com slash tabletop time. And now with content about to start, bigger and better than ever before, uh, and with a lot of new people subscribed to Tabletop Time, the channel is now double the size that it was a week ago, which thank you, by the way, uh, for joining up. Uh, I'm excited to see how far we can take this train. Uh, I am excited to introduce my brother Shad of Shadiversity, who co-created Cogent Roleplay with me, so you guys can follow along as seamlessly as possible with future storytelling experiences, and hopefully hear something you like in our roleplay session, so you can get involved, get playing yourself, and even give us a bit of your feedback. I'm delighted to welcome Shad from Shadiversity, my brother and co-YouTuber and co-creator of Cogent. But before we jump into all that stuff, let's start off by plugging something very exciting that you have just mm, learned. Indeed. First of all, very pleasure to be here, Jazza. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for coming. I'd be very offended if you didn't, though. I <laughs> would never live it down at the family Christmas party. Yeah, indeed, indeed, indeed. <laughs> so, with, exciting stuff. Yeah, exciting channel. stuff. With, with uh, Cogent coming, you know, back into the physical thing, which is our roleplay system, I'm also launching a new YouTube channel, okay, which is going to be kind of like roleplaying. But what's it called? I'm it's at the called, edge of my seat. called Game Night. Oh, with a K. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed, indeed. With a K. So, I... Yes, the K is important. I'm glad you remembered that. Thank you, Jason. It's on brand. Yes, indeed. I understand. That's important. Speaking of being on, so on, on brand, your channel, you're going to be doing roleplay content, but also podcasty related things. I might rant about, I don't know, the last episode or something that you know I'm, I've been watching and stuff like that. Uh, roleplay sessions with my kids as well. Maybe live stream gaming, yeah, like video gaming and stuff. And, and then so in I've, the future, we'll be able to jump on each other's yeah, channels. Yeah, I'll be coming on tabletop time. So we'll and Jazz will be basically coming on game night. Double the goodness. Extra content because I've always wanted to make my own roleplay content, but also have an area, a channel where I can do a lot of other stuff I enjoy bit of an outlet. It's going to be casual, going to be fun and relaxed. Go subscribe to Game Night. That's the thing. But now we're actually going to be sharing with you how to play our roleplay system. Cogent roleplay. Cogent roleplay. This, consider this an introduction. If you uh, want to listen to any of our role-playing mm -hmm. sessions, you want to know basically what we're doing or how it works, it's really simple and we're going to run through that. But also if you want to give it a go yourself, sometimes going straight into reading a rule book can feel a bit confronting and it might be an easier start to listen to us. Jazz, is, Jazz is revealing he doesn't like to read. I don't yeah. like instruction <laughs> manuals or rule books. I really don't. Mm. been working on it for a long time. We released the alpha on Tabletop Time back in 2015 and it's been on hiatus. And we recently came back together after four years of not playing. And so when we're playing, it's like, oh. It's coming it to it completely fresh. How do we do this? So, so we looked it up and when, it was like, when I was reading this, I was like, this is really good. This is really good. <laughs> Who wrote this? We did. Like, because it was just sitting there, Jazz wasted not, potential. <laughs> Jazz is not smart enough to make this. Neither am I. I was, I well, was like, that's true. <laughs> and like, but without, but without, without powers, powers combined, combined, you have a great way of uh, creating substance and catering to the people who really want that depth in gameplay. Uh, my skill set is more in the simplifying of things. I'm a simple guy. I like simple things. And I think that's an advantage, especially for people who want to play something like D&D &D and, like me, get thrown off. So mm. I don't... I, I've never read a full rule book of any system, and Shad has read many. Mm -hmm. And we meet in the middle and well, have constructed something we're really proud of. Because on my side, I don't necessarily like complex rules, but sometimes complex rules are needed... Uh, uh, some people assume, to achieve the thing that I really do like, which is 
giving me the ability to do anything I want in regards to my role play sessions. If I'm playing a character and I think of something that I want the character to do and logically the character should be able to do based on their abilities, I want to be able to do it. And if the rules simply say I can't, I really get annoyed. And that rule system is therefore unsatisfying to me. So with my desire of having a sophisticated rule system that gives me everything I want and Jazz's desire for simplicity, um, it's made something far simpler Mm. than I could ever made, but it still gives me everything that I wanted, the sophistication I wanted. And as as a result, I look at it like, this is really good, yeah. So we came to it with fresh eyes and Mm. we were really quite invigorated and excited to make use of something that had so much potential, which we're doing. It's all work in progress. We're currently still in alpha, but the core rules are pretty well set in stone. So we're gonna go through the core stuff today that is unlikely to change in any large way, Mm -hmm. but there are some fine-tuned stuff that over time we will shape with your help to make it the most powerful roleplay system in the world. So go join the the Cogent Roleplay Discord server. I'll make sure that that is linked to in any descriptions. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think we should just get straight to it. How do you play We will, we will. But I just want to say, also, these core rules that we'll be going through are going to be free. They're freely available now. You can get them now. That is important. Free, free, free. So uh, basically, we're trying to create a system that is elegant and powerful and exciting, but also, you can just start playing. It's accessible We're for developing everyone. an app uh, and a website available on cogentroleplay.com. You can go there, check out the whole uh, core rulebook. You can check mm-hmm. out the cheat sheets. We're working on dynamic character sheets and really exciting stuff with our coder friends. So there's exciting stuff in the works, mm-hmm. but the heart and soul of Cogent is simple, elegant, and amazing. Yeah, and, it's, the, and it's a core system to enable playing in any campaign setting, whatever you can imagine, okay? It's made to be flexible and adaptive, and we're gonna be going through those basics with you. So if you're thinking, when you when people hear role play session, they think, oh, what's the setting? It's like, mm. anything you whatever. want. Whatever. We've well and truly put it to the test, and we'd like you to do the same with us, and we're gonna make all it right. the best thing in the world. So, okay. so where, ja- do we, Jazza, where, where do what, we start? What is, well, first of all, the, uh, the, uh, we'll briefly mention the the structure or the purpose of Cogent is to uh, encourage the narrative, role the play. story that you're creating. And so that's, many, that's the cool Many thing. role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons lean more towards game than role-play. Cogent role-play yeah. is very much role-play uh, facilitated by gameplay mechanics. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so one of the first things that you're going to notice when uh, you know role-playing is done with Cogent stuff is a thing called the destiny role. Now... Destiny role is simply, I think, I love it because for me as a game master, which we call a narrator, it solves a problem when I need to make a decision on something that could either result in something really good for the players or really bad. Why don't you give me an example? And, and to remove my bias in it, I can just say, well, I'll let the let's dice say, Let's set the scene. Result. Let's do a little mini, mm-hmm. micro, microcosm role play. I am Gruff, the barbarian. Hello, Gruff. So, Gruff, you're about to venture forth. To fourth I go. There you go That's poor grammar, but I guess it works for your character. See, what characterization Dumb already. So there's a number of decisions that I, my, myself as a narrator need to make. What's the weather like? Okay. What's the conditions in which he is leaving? Is he well equipped? Is he going to run into something problematic along the way? Now, you can, as the narrator, just decide. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. But sometimes it's fun and simpler to be able to blame the dice. dice. Let the dice so, decide. Oh, my oh, God! Yes! So I got oh, one. Do you see what happened there? <laughs> In that split second where Shad rolled a one, I knew immediately something <laughs> real bad is going to happen. He rolled it with an intent. I'm ro- he's rolling for something. What is the destiny of 
a confrontation he's going to have, an item he's going to find. So what, what, what does Gruff come so up against? So I was basically rolling. Uh, I needed to make a decision on the letter. Uh, all right, because and these are sometimes One. little details that you can forget. One, but something is. Simple, <laughs> oh, it seems simple, like the way they can impact the entire play session. I got a one, and so that, that would make up the whole camp, that, that well, whole episode. Everything that's going to happen is going to be framed now by the result of this, this role. I and love that. if it was summer, or so I was thinking maybe springtime, okay, so springtime. Monsoon, essentially, like mm. it's a, a, a water storm yeah. with flooding, like you wouldn't. Believe. It does bear mentioning that one and twenty, yeah, are like they have extremes. a reputation for being the extreme. So yeah. if you roll a one or a twenty, see, you can definitely get pretty crazy. Yeah, for me, um, the difference between a two and one is far greater in what I narratively decide oh. than the difference between a three and I two. I just love that uh, we one is a one. special. I just love it's that we special. the first example <laughs> we have. We roll a one. The so, destiny roll is a fantastic yeah, mechanism. Great to uh, help the narrator make a decision, make up their mind, or come up with something pretty quick without uh, having to do a lot of pre-planning. But it doesn't have to be leaned on. It can just be used as much mm. as they would like. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's it's really helpful. Yeah. And it's sort of the glue that holds the system together in many ways. Yeah, and it's, a, it's such a useful tool. And players can even, you know, sometimes elect to use the Destiny role to determine if they're having trouble for to determine what they think their character would choose in a given situation, stuff like that. Sometimes I say, oh, I'm going to do a Destiny role myself. And they'll do it to help determine that. The other kind of role is much more about decision making. Yes, it's, a, it's the direct result of when Edifer, a character, wants to make an action of some kind. For this we use a d6 and we use it in a mechanism whereby a roll results in either a win or a loss. Mm -hmm. So if I roll and I get, see I just rolled and got a 2, that's a loss. 1, mm -hmm. 2 and 3 is a loss. If I roll, please be a good example. There you go, hey, I got a 6. Win. Now, 4, now, 5 and 6 is a win. Even though you might think a 6 is great, a 6 is just as good as a 4 in this system. You could basically flip a coin, serves the same purpose for the most mm -hmm. part. So. How these are calculated is the more a single D6s you have that you can roll all at once, the more statistical probability you have of being able to accomplish something more specialised or difficult. Because you, you have a higher chance of rolling more wins, which we call, which is any dice that is four or higher. So every person, NPC, character, whoever, the default roll is three D6. The purpose of these D6s is to reach um, a set number of wins, which we call a challenge level. And so the, the challenge level system is what basically encapsulates most of the mechanics of the whole cogent system and is what to help, will help you determine the result of any given action a player wants to do. Now, there's a handy little cheat sheet on the Cogent Roleplay website which shows you the statistic probability of the amount of dice you have rolling against the challenge level. So with three dice, the maximum thing I can do is achieve a specialised task if my role is good. So, and so I have a... Hang on, hang on. I have a question, Jazza. What's the specialised task? Is a challenge level three. Mm -hmm. Okay, so because I have three dice, uh, I have the maximum probability, maximum chance of having three successful dice or three wins. So if I roll this, I've gotten two wins, mm -hmm. which means uh, a challenge level two I could accomplish, which is an uncommon task, and I have a 50% chance of achieving a challenge level two with three dice, but I have a 12% chance of achieving a, a challenge level three. Mm -hmm. So how do you get more dice, Shad? Well, it is on your character sheet, Jessa. But may I just quickly mention one small thing before we go there? Go for it. It's the uh, the idea that we promote in Cogent Roleplay called narrative failure. 
okay, or narrative success. And so most rule systems function around a system of you can or you can't. So if Jazza was trying to climb up a wall and me as the narrator looks at, the, like I know what the wall, because I get to create it, so does it have handholds or was it whitewashed or is there, you know, rocky mm. things? And so uh, it might be somewhat difficult, but, you know, it's got enough handholds. I mean, it's a bit, it seems uncommon. And just by me thinking in my head of what type of difficulty it is, okay, if it's uncommon or specialized, actually, no, specialized, so I feel it would be specialized. Go, let's right? go specialized, right? I'm so going to roll for this. So just I'm going to roll for this. But this, right? is, this is a translation of the narrative idea now translating so easily into the rules because if it's specialized, then the rules already tell me what challenge, challenge level, level I three. Play. Challenge level three. So I'm a completely average person in this example. Mm-hmm. I have no attributes or skills, mm-hmm. uh, which, I mean, a lot of people, well, yeah, av- average is zero, right? So people mm-hmm. get worried sometimes that they don't have loads of points to spend on characters in some situations. Uh, but zero is average. We, for the most part, are zero. <laughs> so uh, I have no attributes and no skills. My base dice are 3d6, and I am attempting to climb this wall. I'm going to roll. I got yeah. nothing. Nothing. I got, I got three losses <laughs> in my attempt to climb the wall. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I just can't climb the wall. Exactly, because it's kind of odd. There are some tasks that logically most people should be able to do. With enough time. Yeah, exactly. And to say you can't do it, it doesn't make sense. Okay, so the idea about narrative success and failure in Kojin, instead of saying that Jazz's character simply was unable to reach the wall, like, what if he was really inventive and he tried to prop up a tree branch and climb up on the tree? Like, if if anyone is, you know, thinks about enough, generally they can achieve certain tasks. And to say you simply can't do it... It doesn't necessarily mean that I can't climb the wall. What happens instead? That's something... He gets a negative result in the structure of the narrative. So instead of saying, you can't climb up the wall, it now, as the narrator, I would say, you do climb up the wall, but you meet the guard who is just standing there waiting for you. Yeah. Okay, so he fails narratively, not fails physically. But this is the thing. Myself as a narrator, I have options to decide how much of a narrative failure it will be. But it will be kind of mean if I made it really bad. And it's kind of getting letting him off free if I don't make it bad enough. And so how do I determine... <laughs> How much of a failure it will be? Oh, I don't know. You're holding a D20. You tell oh, me. Oh, all right. So let's 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 determine this. Yes. Whoa! I got a twenty. I... How are these the examples for? <laughs> so as a player, <laughs> I know I didn't successfully climb the wall. But if the narrator wanted that little bit of help. So this that, is this is really interesting, okay? <laughs> I was actually hoping I'd get really low. Um, because I, in my mind, I was thinking it would be really funny if for the narrative failure of this um, action in the, in the story would be that as he's trying to climb the wall, the wall topples over. But I rolled the exact opposite. Yeah. And it would have been pretty mean if I just chose that. But if I got the wrong... It's taken it out of your control. And mm. as a player, that feels like my saving grace. I attempted mm. something and failed but <laughs> destiny would have it that it was des- destiny was very in my favor in yeah. this situation so how would you well now story? i can still use that idea of the wall falling over because it's kind of fun as narrative and i would only get to resort to it in an extreme but this is definitely an extreme but now as a narrator i'm going to structure it in a positive way that all right as you're trying to climb the wall it actually topples over but falls into and it would depend on what the character is trying to achieve like just what do you think your character I was trying to get to the other side to fight uh, an opponent. I fight an opponent? It could have fallen on the the opponent. opponent. (laughs) Or it could have, like, fallen into uh, um, uh, maybe uh, a special shop that has equipment and gear and stuff. Or perhaps triggered traps that might have been set 
for mm -hmm. the player. There are any number of yeah. ways you can do it. It's very improvisational, and you can take away some of the pressure of that improvisation with the dice, uh, but you can also play with them a bit. Yeah. So that's the core of how the destiny roll and the challenge level rolls. I like how we are able together. to show how they interact, because that, yeah, that's cool. It's pretty um, important. But it also demonstrates the idea of a narrative success and a narrative failure. Uh, because just saying you can't do something as a player, I find it really unsatisfying. And the best thing, and anyone who plays any system will vouch for and agree with, that the best thing about any role-playing game are the stories you leave with after. Mm -hmm. And that you, you well, remember <laughs> for years and you tell as if they happened to you as a person yesterday. Seeing a 20 or seeing a 1 is the most <laughs> crazy, fun, or exciting thing. I'm so glad we have those as experiences. And Seems like Destiny was on our side. It's amazing. Extreme. So good. Okay, so how do I get more dice? I want to do yes. more complex things. I want to be a more skilled character. Have, have a higher chance of success in specific tasks that you want to train your character in. And so this can, it doesn't take away the random element, but of course I help out. And this is where, of course, the character sheet comes in. And so it starts off with your physical abilities. Are you, yep. are you a strong person? Are you physically weak? Or is your brain big? Are you, are you smart? Are you a smart, smarts person? We really wanted to condense it to what made the most sense with the simplest approach. And that came down to three core attributes. They are strength, reflex... I'm going to say awesome! Intelligence. Feel good? I feel so good. Okay. <laughs> you can have as a character in most play sessions, and you can you can shape the system to however you want it to be. But we've con constructed the foundation to allow you up to two points in any of those three attributes and to spend a maximum of two points. Mm. Now, I could go and give you a whole big rant as to why we did it the way we did, but that would take... I could spend, like, 15 minutes, half an hour, and Jazza can <laughs> testify that I can do we, that. We're going right? to try and... There's a lot of reason why we made it this way, um, but we don't have time to get into you. It's what quick and simple, and yeah. the way to further define your character comes later in skills. Mm -hmm. So basically the attributes is like the foundation of your character. If I'm a barbarian, I might default to either one point in strength and one point in reflex, or two points in strength. So two points is the maximum for a non-superhuman person, okay? Yeah. And they have a narrative description of one point means you are really well... So zero means you're an average Joe, one point, you're really well trained, you're a specialist essentially, mm -hmm. and two points is like... You're the, the cream of the crop, the top of the what a ra regular sort of human can get. World class is the mm. way we put it. Yeah. So an Olympian might, uh, an Olympian lifter might yeah. have two points in strength. Exactly. exactly. So to be a barbarian with two points in strength, you're tough. That's a strong barbarian. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. To be a, a character with two points in intelligence is like physicist, like Stephen Hawking's mm. level of intelligence yeah. combined with some skills you might add. Yeah. And so this is how simple it works, okay? There are some systems which bafflingly have an ability score and then give a separate bonus to the dice. And you have to remember two numbers and statistics to figure it out, okay? One point, every single point actually on the character sheet simply represents one extra dice. It's that simple. So two points in strength. So you have your, yep. Now, Jazza would only add those two extra dice for the roll if where it's, it's relevant. Uh, it, when it was, where, exactly, where it's relevant. So we can d discover how this plays out when we dive into the skills. The mm. skills are divided into core skills, and then there are later, there are vocations and proficiencies. Mm -hmm. We'll get to those in a moment. The core skills are the things you'll be most familiar with in other role-playing systems. Things like being able to swim, uh, ride or pilot, which we put into one, so it counts for horse riding or X-wings. Mm -hmm. uh, persuasion, infiltration, all of these are core skills, and there are four uh, core skills or paired you can... with each attribute. Yes, yes. 
So, so strength, the strength core skills are athletics, grapple, swim, and aim slash throw. Yeah, and we don't need to go over more, but that's just an example. Go like, to the website. They're, they're, they're categorized properly. Yeah. Like a skill that's founded on strength, obviously, yeah. um, is a strength skill. Now, the thing is, this is how simple it is, okay? Uh, if you have a point in, in say, um, athletics, that point represents an additional dice you add to your roll. That simple. It's like no, no if we, numbers. If we uh, apply it to the attributes as well, because they're mm -hmm. always combined, athletics is a subsidiary skill of strength. Mm -hmm. And if I go back to my barbarian example, an athletics roll... Can you put the dice in so we yes. can see it? So, so you've got a base of three right here. An athletics roll entails the base of three dice, my two points of strength, because athletics is a subset of strength, and let's say I have one point in athletics. So my barbarian's role for an athletics check, which is where I'm trying to achieve something athletic and I have a challenge level assigned to that attempt, is one, two, three, four, five, six dice. That's how I can how much I can roll with a maximum ability to achieve an unrealistic feat of athletics. Strength. What's that word you like? The statistical probability. Three plus the points you have in whatever thing, your, your abilities and your skills, that's your roll. And if your challenge level is four, Jazza, do the roll. Uh, yeah, it needs to be athletic. a challenge level four. So okay. uh, an athletics check, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to want to charge up to an opponent. No, I, I reckon uh, lifting something. You're needing, you're okay, wanting to lift, yeah. lift a, a, a door, a, a door, a heavy steel door. Wait, doors don't lift; they open. A lifty one does, and I'm lifting it. <laughs> He's lift, trying What's to lift the, a lifty door. So, uh, one thing to clarify here is the narrator should nearly always assign the challenge level before the roll, mm -hmm. so the player knows what they're up against. Yeah. I want to lift this big, heavy, lifty door. Narrator, what's yeah. the challenge level? Now, challenge level is four. That yeah. means there is an absolute possibility that Jazza has, Jazza's character can lift this door, which means his character possesses the strength to lift it. And then to say that he can't lift it, when there is the reality and possibility he can, it's like, what, did oh, he wake up one day and not have cut, the strength? Cut, cut to the chase now, Shad. What are you trying to say? It's that it doesn't make sense if the failure simply says you can't do it when you literally have okay. the possibility to do it because you can lift it. Well, let's see what happens. This is, this is why happens. it's important. Let's see if we okay. get an example in okay. context. So I'm going to attempt this. I actually have a 34% chance to succeed. I know this because of the cheat sheet available at cogentrollplay.com. Mm -hmm. makes it super simple. I'm going to roll and I got one, two, three, four. I achieved mm -hmm. opening the door. But it's more interesting in this scenario if we say you fail. Let's say I rolled three. So mm -hmm. I did not succeed that Okay. Attempt. So does that mean should I I should say that you simply can't lift the door? That doesn't make sense because What you, would you do? What so would you say? Narrative failure, Jezza. Any number of things. Do it. So well look, if I really you can say sometimes you don't could do it, but you need to justify it. It gets jammed. Locked. It could yeah. be get, it could have been jammed, something like that. Doesn't but have to but be, this is yeah, yeah, this is not but that's far more satisfying than saying you don't have the strength to lift it, when in reality, because you had the possibility to lift it, you do have the strength, so you need to come up with a more satisfying way. But then you can do a narrative thing. You do lift it, and something interesting is on the other side, something detrimental to the character. Uh, or I'm trying to lift it by the only handle that's visible, and I'm very strong, but it's he breaks rusty, the handle off. and the handle breaks off. Let's say I want to have a skill in something that is not uh, outlined in the core skills. Say, for example, being a blacksmith. There is no skill in the core skills of being a blacksmith, but I should be able to have that skill. If you yeah, you want to make a horseshoe or indeed a sword or something yeah. like that. What do we do? Well, that, that seems like a job or a vocation of some time. Indeed, so if a character wanted, they could have spent time in such a pursuit and gained 
skills in a vocation. So the way vocations work, think of it as the job of the character, or it's almost like a class. Yeah, this is this kind of fills the character class component of Kojin. So you could have the vocation of assassin but, or bandit. But you know what I love about this? What? You get to pick whatever you can. Yeah. Like, if it, if it logically makes sense that this was something uh, like a And a if thing, the narrator agrees. Yeah, the narrator needs to uh, uh, agree, of course. Another thing that is worth mentioning is that the narrator should agree, but the player can propose which core attribute the vocation is based on. Mm -hmm. So a blacksmith, for example, might have uh, suggested from the player, I'm, I'm going to be a blacksmith, the core, I want the core vocation to be strength, because I'm hitting a hammer all day. That makes a lot of sense. It makes sense, but you know what I also like about this? It gives more freedom to the player. What if you were the type of blacksmith who was very, who created art pieces, and it wasn't heavy lifting all the time, but really delicate work? Well, guess what? The core attribute can be intelligence now as long as the narrator agrees. But the next thing is what we call proficiency, which is different to core skills and vocations in that mm. they're specifically for combat. combat. Now, this, this doesn't mean to say that you can't be helped out in combat if you have a skill that would logically assist you in that realm. But when it comes to combat, there are set things that you would train in to do. And this would include mad types of magic, okay? Now you could have the vocation wizard, okay? But then you could have the proficiency fireball or fire or something like that. Mm -hmm. Now this is something that can be applied to combat. I guess let's what? say, let, here's an example. Let's go back to, let's keep on our blacksmith, mm -hmm. right? I, I am proficient with a hammer. Uh, which I can use in combat, I would mm -hmm. think. So let's say I have a couple of uh, hammer proficiency points, which is my weapon. Mm -hmm. um, are we going to talk about assists? Well, yeah. So I mentioned that you can assist if you have other skills that obviously logically would help. And you know, I'm a blacksmith. And I'm fighting someone who's wearing armor. And I can oh. justify or propose to the narrator while I'm fighting... Do you know, I know where the weak points on where his armor are because I've forged a hundred of them myself. I want to assist my combat role with my vocation, mm -hmm. which essentially means it's a separate challenge level, separate to the, the combat that can either enhance or diminish your ability to fight or accomplish Yeah, because something. this is interesting. To, to think that when you're trying something like this, to say that it's always going to be beneficial and help you out seems a bit arbitrary and unrealistic because what if that was more detrimental it's like i think i know where all the weak points in armor is so i'm gonna focus on that what if that the person who made the armor actually reinforced those parts knowing it was the weak points and stuff and so this is why an assist isn't just a flat bonus okay when you say you want to assist there's a chance of randomness that it could backfire but it could be benefit you as well yeah. and so this is a simple assist role and guess what it works on the exact same mechanic it isn't so, complex so this, let's do it let's assist do, roll has a challenge tell, yeah, it's right? a challenge level of three yeah so i have my base of three dice my two points in strength Can you put and on this? i want to see, I want to see. So my base, base of three, three dice mm -hmm. my two points in strength and i'm going to say i have two points in my blacksmith vocation. Yep. I want to assist my attack role with my blacksmithing vocation. I ask the narrator, he says it's fine with the way that I've it proposed it might yep. work. So the challenge level three for the assist, I roll and get one, two successes, which means so this is my a, attempt. He, he, you my had attempt, a high chance of success, I did. but you still failed. And my attempt at doing something aided by my blacksmithing skill actually backfired, and maybe mm -hmm. the part I aimed at was more reinforced than I expected. Or, or myself as a narrator, I would say, all right, as you're trying to focus in on the weak points in armor, 
you got distracted by. You were focusing on the weak points in armor, and you and didn't pay attention to the sword. You weren't paying attention to the sword swing at your head. So there we go. So now let's go into the combat role that I was trying to assist, which is the uh, the way a combat role is made up of is your base of three mm -hmm. dice, every attribute point, because when you're in combat, whether you're smart or fast or strong. You it be benefits to... combat. Yeah. Like, it baffled me that you couldn't... Like, intelligence is a... Ma uh, why do you think I'm holding a sword? I, I like swords, okay? I practice with them. And being I've, smart... I've many fighting theories as to why you're holding a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Some of them Freudian. But we'll get to that another time. <laughs> you you, you want to know why I'm holding gonna, a sword? You're going to hurt me. You want to know why I'm holding... This is why... This foam, is the real reason why... foam I'm... sword, you really do... Is that what you do? You're intimidating me with your foam sword? I'm I can so still, scared. I can still hurt you. I'm real scared. Will you let me hit you as hard as I can? As you... <laughs> we'll see how, no, how no, dangerous foes are. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so... Um, Combat roll. Base 3d6. All of my attribute points, and then all of my points in the proficiency of the weapon I'm using. It makes sense that if you're smart, you could use that in a, in a beneficial way into combat, which is why you can still add points in intelligence. So yeah, I'm just ending off that, and I like that. It makes sense. That's why we add it. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's say I have two points in a hammer proficiency. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's say the hammer is a medium weapon, and there are also weapon bonuses and all that stuff that are mm. in the rule book that you can check out. Is there a, a bonus or negative or anything for the weapon of a hammer? You can look it up in the rule book. It's pretty simple, but it just determines but even, if the weapon adds a bonus and the context. Even simpler, the cheat sheet is we go. my happy place. Medium weapon plus one D6. Done. Super simple. simple. So I get one extra dice because of the hammer itself. Mm -hmm. This is now my combat roll. The only difference is whatever roll I get, I have to remove one win because my assist roll sucked. So now I'm going to roll my combat roll, and my resulting roll is one, two, three, four against whatever my opponent's roll was. But um, actually, it's now three, yes, effectively. Because we have kind of jumped the gun, but it still makes fits um, into it. Because so far, when it, we've been talking about challenge levels, we've always been referring to in the context of against a static challenge level. So we've classified roles into three categories. The mm -hmm. first that we talked about, like in climbing a wall, is where you're uh, trying to attempt something that is not resisted in any way. It just has a, a, a static difficulty. Trying to lift trying something, to trying to mm -hmm. climb or jump over a gap. All of that is yep. just a task. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to forge a thing, mm -hmm. you get the idea. Next we have what we call a passive conflict. That is where you are acting against something that has the ability to resist but is not aware or, or yeah, just currently temporarily, temporarily isn't doing it. The simplest way to classify passive conflicts in general is where you have, uh, let's say for example, you're sneaking against someone who might perceive you. You're lying to someone who might perceive, using the perception skill, that you're lying to them. You might be trying to persuade them. Uh, these are all uh, passive conflicts. So shall we give an example of a, of a passive conflict? I don't know. It seems like you were describing active conflicts then. No, no. They... Lying, sneaking up behind a guy. It's all versus perception, Shad. We wrote the rules. You should remember. Come on. It's been four years, Jason. <laughs> So, you are perceiving... Good thing I've got a cheat sheet wait, wait, to look wait. it up. I am persuading you that I know how the rules work. Let's see if you can clue on to it. This is a great example. What's your perception role in this example? Ah, okay. So, perception is an interesting thing because out of all the skills, it's used the most because it's just... Yep. It's so reactive, so common, it's what you notice, okay? Like, how many times do you look at things versus how many times What's do you need to What's your perception role? But anyway, so it would be three... <laughs> Plus 
my attributes. So if I had one in strength or one in intelligence, I yep. get to add them both. Uh, again, it's explained in the rule books why all, any ability adds to perception. And then uh, if I actually train myself to be more perceptive, uh, my, it's usually good to at least have one generally. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'll do that. That'll be my... So that's your, your role against mine, but I'm going to try and persuade you first. So with a base of three dice, my uh, let's say I have one point in intelligence... I'm going to grant myself that. <laughs> and let's say I'm very persuasive. He's the let's one laughing at it, I'm not extremely me. persuasive with three three points in persuasion. So this is my persuasion persuasion roll, and I got two wins. Now that is your challenge level to beat or lose against for, to see if I successfully persuaded you. Two stalemate. What happens now? I let's believe. check the rule book. And I'm going to... If dice rolls are equal, it's all oh. in here, guys. Oh. It's oh. in the cheat sheet. I think fell off. Shad's mic fell off. I'm not editing this. You can deal with it yourself. If the dice rolls are equal, the passive is the victor, the one using perception. Mm-hmm. So... Ah, so that's the difference between... I did not persuade Shad that I know the rules better than him. See? Uh, that's why I made a cheat sheet. But uh, the final version, uh, an active conflict, is one person's action against another person's action. They are in direct mm-hmm. conflict, and the most common way this happens is in combat. Mm-hmm. And they're aware, and they're trying to resist. Because if Jazz is trying to persuade me, and I have no stake in the matter where I want to believe him or not believe him... You're passive. I have no, it's passive. But now I actively want to him to not succeed. We're fighting. We're fighting. You have a foam sword, mm-hmm. and I'm a martial artist. This seems pretty accurate. Me with foam sword, I still think it's in my favour still. When we get into combat, uh, it's worth mentioning how turns work. Often in systems like Dungeons & Dragons, people find out who is the fastest, and the fastest person goes first. Mm-hmm. Actually, the way we do it in cogent roleplay is the fastest person declares last. So the slowest person says what they're doing first so that the fastest person at the very end of everyone saying what they're doing gets to choose how to react to everyone else's choices because they're the most uh, Mm. reactive and then act first. Yeah, and uh, so what that means is the fastest person, say, who has the highest reflex, they essentially... The round is structured to happen at the same time. And so just because someone's declaring what they're doing first doesn't mean they're moving first. They're just saying this was their intent, and therefore, because the person with the highest, who's actually the fastest, declares last, yeah, they get to respond because they're faster and they're noticing and they're seeing what people are going to be trying to do. They're able to preemptively react to it because, oh, he's going to jump on that table. I can can see that. Bruce Lee... Two points of reflex sort yeah. of thing. Like, yeah. they're doing this and I'm just going to be there when they're doing it. So that's how uh, the declaration phase and then the action phase roll out. But let's say you have two characters like Shad and me. Let's pretend we're characters and we have equal We reflex. are. We are. We are characters. Uh, <laughs> we, are, we are the biggest characters. Shad likes swords. I do. Stop touching your mic. I feel it's coming off. You, you gave me bad tape. Like I can see it's there. You're giving me bad tape, Jazza. All right, bear with us. Pull your tape off. Look at that, it's got my hair on, it's got my chest hair. Gross. So in the situation where two characters have equal reflex, let's say it's Shadow myself, they simply roll off until there is someone who wins, and whoever wins, whoever has the highest roll with 1d6, go for it. I rolled a 1, you... Uh, sorry, I rolled a 2, you rolled a 1. So sorry. I gain priority in this round of combat, or in this mm. combat encounter, I yeah, should Yeah, this say. is the only time so, when players roll off to get initiative so priority. So at the start of combat... My being more uh, reflexive 
is going to count for the mm. entire interaction. Yeah. So uh, because I am more uh, quick to react than you, you're going to have to tell me what your intent mm. is, Mr. Foam Sword. Say we, Jaja and my character were sitting uh, in, a, in an inn, the classic inn setting, having um, a drink, and we had a disagreement. We're getting into combat now. And, uh, and so I had my drink here, and I want to throw my drink in Jazz's face at the same time as drawing my sword and striking. Now, this is an action that you can do together. And so it doesn't make sense that one action should supersede the other and you can't do both. But now I'm trying to throw a drink in Jazz's face to stun him, get him. And so I'm going to say, if I succeed in this, and I'll probably take a separate role just to see if I succeed, would I get a benefit in the combat? And as the narrator, I'll probably say, yeah, you can attempt it. Now, this is interesting, though. I'm declaring this is my intent. So before I roll anything... I know exactly what it's going to be. Jazz's character is seeing my character reach for the mug. And he's beaming out because he's faster. He's got the reflex in this round. He knows I'm going to attempt it. What are you going to do to try and defend it? I'm going to try and throw my drink in Jazz's face while I'm drawing my sword and attacking in the same motion. Now, now that's my declaration. This is what I'm You've declaring. declared that. Mm. And because you're slower in this encounter, I notice and get to react. And how I, are you going to react, Jazz? I, I am going to stand up and kick the table out from under me, under well, under both of us, essentially towards you, essentially attacking you with the table and throwing off your reach towards the drink. Mm. So I'm trying to throw off both your attack and your drink grab and attack you in return. Okay, so we've made cogent purposefully to uh, to give the narrator essentially even more than one way because you think is there a rule of kicking over table whilst a person being mug? So there's not one specifically, but there are rules that enable this to play out, and the narrator can choose which one he feels suits it There are best. logical paths we've mm. sort of established that yes. people can use. And so, so what are some logical paths you might, as a narrator, use to truth. unfold this? Scenario? Okay, so the throwing the mug in the face thing could be there to determine a situational bonus, so it could be considered an assist. Okay, but that's only if it ends up Which would water. be uh, an assist with the skill, I'm assuming, of aim slash throw. So you would roll and assist with that and then have your mm -hmm. combat roll with your proficiency, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I could try and propose it to Jazza that I don't want him to, I want I want to succeed in getting this away, but I don't want him to look at the, the mug. And so I want to try and do a sleight of hand, block it with my sword and use deception. Do you reckon I can get away with a deception? Um, throw Maybe. water in face. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. You mm. could. It, that's that to me is logically applicable. You see. So now, now, if, let's if, if Jazza was the narrator and he said, "No, I don't think that makes sense," even if I m myself the is the player, is the boss, he, You're don't argue. take it. Yeah, move don't forward. Argue. Be productive. That's perfectly fine. So roll your deception. I, I as the narrator, say, "Okay, fair enough. You're trying to throw me off." Mm -hmm. So if I have <laughs> three and say I got one in intelligence and two in deception, okay, okay that's, that's your role. That's my role. Um, your assist, challenge level three, you don't get any points in assist because yeah. you rolled three. Yeah. So your assist was unsuccessful in the sense that it affected me. The drink the might could have hit my yeah. the player, but, but he could didn't... be used to having mugs thrown in his face from girls rejecting him, his advances. Too, too close to home there, Jess. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Okay. All right, combat. How's the combat uh, I touched on very briefly for a second. But hang on, did you succeed in kicking over the table, though? Well, that's my combat attack. I'm attacking you with the table. You're attacking me with I'm the table. I'm kicking the table at you. That is going to be an interesting attack thing, because you it's a good example, because you would structure your combat role differently as a result. So let's structure our combat roles. All right. And so, base of three. Um, there. I have one point in strength and one point in intelligence. Um, 
I've already, if I did the assist, I've already used up my assist. I can't try and assist it with any other vocation, stuff like that. Um, and so then if I have a proficiency in the weapon, obviously I would, I'm using a sword. And, and I would have, I would have two, of course. <laughs> All right, and so then, that's your combat roll. But I'm using a sword, what's the bonus for a plus, sword? Plus one. I'm using a two weapon. He's using a big sword, fine, plus two. So that's your combat roll, that's That's your combat roll. Now my roll is technically an attack, but it's not one that's gonna injure him, and it's sort of defensive, I'm reacting to what he's doing. So my roll would be my base of three, plus my two attributes, plus I'm gonna say this is a kick, so I don't get any points from my proficiency, but I won't take the negative one for unarmed combat because I'm wearing steel cap boots. So my combat roll is technically five, Mm. but, because I'm acting defensively, I, uh, as a modifier, can have plus two to my roll. But you won't get a victory level against me if you're fighting defensively. No, I won't get, I won't be able to injure you. Oh. So I can use this kick if I succeed to, to trip me. throw you off balance, to stagger you, mm-hmm. uh, to unarm you if I have a really good roll. So these are just the kind of specific details that we mentioned in the rule book that, look, that doesn't change the core system. Because remember, look at it, it's all running on the same system of just the base three. So my my combat action, this is my role. I cannot Mm. injure you, but if I achieve a victory level over you, I can stagger you. If I I was narrating this scenario and Jazzera would say to do this, myself as a narrator, I would require him to try and make a roll to see if he can successfully just kick the table because it's a a weird thing to do. It's not something you're trained in. And so I I would think that there's an added measure of... uh, you like, you like adding I, I the do. substance and complexity. Re- I would just say, you kick the table, this is how it goes. See, it comes down to play style. style. It's yeah. very much mm-hmm. every, everyone's flavour. Yeah. So I am kicking, this is my combat roll, and I rolled three successful dice, or three wins. What is your combat roll, Shad? Oh! Whoa! Two, three, four, five, six. Nice. You then have achieved a level three victory. So the way combat works is after each round, yeah. uh, the amount that your combat roll succeeds entails the victory level that that person gets to decide. Yeah. And there's a simple real thing to encapsulate additional players or NPCs. If there was another player NPC trying to do something in that round, they would have a combat roll, whatever it was based on, whatever they were trying to do, and that would apply against my roll. Okay, if they're attacking me. If they're attacking me, my combat role still applies to them. And I could still get a victory level against them because I was trying to defend myself. Or if they were attacking Jazza and he got a, because if he got a low, they could st- also successfully have hit him as well. Your combat role doesn't represent one at single attack. It represents your quality of actions in that, that space round. of time with whatever tool you're using that is applied to whatever thing is assailing you in that time frame. So with a level three victory, uh, and it's all here on the cheat sheet, near the mm-hmm. rule book, you can choose to either inflict a minor, medium, or serious injury, or you can stagger, disarm, or trip me. See, I would choose trip, because if our characters were drinking, well, prob- depending on the offense, I might not want to kill him, and so... And the, mo- and the modifier for being tripped might make me lying down or prone, prone, and this is in the modifiers, which would give me minus 4d6. Mm-hmm. Wounding me, if let's say we're not like trying to kill each other, but mm-hmm. inflicting a serious injury is minus 3d6 to all of my dice checks until I've recovered, mm-hmm. right? But if you're just trying to teach me who's boss, 4d6 while I'm prone is... It enables you to essentially step on my chest and point your sword at me and say, Don't ever say that about my mother.
She's my mother too, I could say whatever the hell I like. I mean, she's my mother too, I could say whatever the hell I like. I think that covers all the basics. It um, really does. Now, as you can say, I feel like we got a little bit messy there in the combat round in particular because we started to veer towards our well, narration exactly. styles of play styles. And we were bringing in the other tangential elements that are there to add flavour and realism, okay? But what you'll have noticed is that the core mechanic didn't change, hmm. okay? Every point... Or addition, add just an additional dice, okay? So the calculation is really simple. And we were going slow to show it to you. When you actually remember what your role is based on what you're doing, it, it, combat flows so quickly in the you rounds. You get used to how really your well. character acts, you get to be in character, and your priority gets to become telling a story rather than doing calculations for armor class or to figure out what the vulnerabilities of a person's statistical... But also, can I just point something out? There was a lot of complex actions that actually happened in that combat round. Trying to throw a mug, trying to kick a table, trying everything like that, and it resulted in me tripping my opponent, and it was done with a single roll from each of us. In oh, comparison, so. okay, um, yeah, there are that? certain, you know, rule systems where you would need to roll for initiative, you would need to then roll for attack, if you get a critical hit, you'll need a roll to see if you succeed the critical hit. If you if you were trying to do something else like a trip, you need to declare that beforehand. You can't and so yeah. and then you need to roll for damage. And so that was like what between four and five rolls to achieve something. So when I say that combat, and on top move, of that, it actually like when you describe it that way, there's less control over a player's choice. Whereas mm -hmm. really, when you have a great role as your character, you should be able to choose how to harness that competence into mm. achieving what you want and that really is what the role-playing experience is all about mm. telling stories in character and trying to achieve certain things things will go in your favor they will go against you even dying can be fun oh yeah it's all telling a good mm. story we have mm. purposely constructed cogent to try and address some of the limitations that we have found and i think it works really and well. i think this is a great place to wrap mm. it up to simply say that tabletop gaming there's lots of flavours of it, and whatever the flavour you enjoy, that is the right flavour. Mm -hmm. But cogent roleplay is intended to be the most community-centric and versatile system ever. And you will not find another roleplay system with its creators being uh, so listening to your feedback, excited to hear and see your experiences using the system and applying that in the best ways possible to suit everyone as best as possible. And when you're saying community-driven stuff like that, I also want to add in accessible. Okay, this core system is free and it's adaptive to be out of fit to any setting you want. Okay, and one of the reasons is, is that we're doing it because we want to make a great system. That's always yes. been our intention. We're not making it as a money-making scheme. Cogent Roleplay will always be uh, centred around providing you the best storytelling mechanism mm -hmm. possible. We're going to further refine it and balance it over time and there will be things that change. But the core of what we've shared with you here today and the simplistic approach that we're trying to create is really the focus. We've been able to avoid limitations that sometimes creep in when people are trying to make a system to make money for expansion modules and other things like that. Instead of giving you a restricted list of characters, you can be any character you want. You get to make yeah. it. Okay. You can play, if you want to play in the Harry Potter universe or in the Mandalorian Star Wars universe, mm. you can. That's what we want to do to enable your storytelling experiences. So go tell some sto cool stories or listen to ours. But the point is it's about having fun. We mm. really want to thank you for joining us. Once again, go check out Shad's new channel as well. We have many adventures ahead of mm. us, dear brother, and you hopefully have many ahead of you. But we want to thank you for joining and watching and listening with us. And we can't wait to experience those adventures with you. Absolutely. Thanks for watching, guys. And listening. Check out the podcast.